0: Savings. (laughs) How do I get out of here? Where's my water? There it is. That's all I need. Intervention. <laughs> Alcoholic, right? That's funny. That's good. Alcoholic. <laughs> Kyle. Maybe maybe if Kyle kicked his <laughs> pack and a half of cigarettes a day, then he could then he could say something about this. Alyssa. How many abortions was it, Alyssa? Seven. I need this. I need it. Ever since she Ever since Where were they anyway? When she died. You care so much about me now. Where were you at the funeral? Where were you at the hospital? Huh? Nope. You want me to go to church? <laughs> That's rich. Walking those stupid doors. God bless you, brother. How you doing, sister? So fake. How am I supposed to relate to any of that? They don't know what I'm going through. Or what I've been through. No one does. Oh, there's no one. There is no one. No one who could possibly understand what I've felt, what I've gone through. No one. No one at all.
1: man of sorrows, not sure what kind of sorrow you are faced with today, could be like John facing an addiction, could be a son or daughter who's passed away, could be a divorce, could be a business that that went under. How do you make sense of sorrow? If you have your notes and get your Bibles out just for the next few moments, we're going to talk just uh, candidly about making sense of sorrow. And if I had the time to sit with you at Starbucks over a cup of coffee and I would ask you individually, one-on-one, what's your greatest sorrow? What's the pain that you're faced with today? What is the heartache that you are dealing with? In the midst of tremendous heartache and hardship and trials and tribulations, whatever you want to call it, it is comforting to know that we serve a God who understands. Doesn't completely take it away. But it is comforting to know that we have a God who relates and hurts, a man of sorrows. If you look in your notes, our scripture today is Isaiah chapter 43. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their face, he was despised and we esteemed him not. What is sorrow, Pastor Scott? Sorrow is simply, it's distress. It's a, it's a loss by affliction, disappointment, grief, or regret. Call it pain, sorrow, trouble, tribulations, trials, heartache, whatever you want to call it. How would you like to be me today and have to get up in front of a church here in the sanctuary and people online and make sense of sorrow. We all have sorrow and sorrow is relative. I mean, I'm I'm going through tremendous sorrow right now. I was in my front yard and I was blowing the leaves that had fallen down in my driveway. Went inside and got a drink of water, came back out, and the leaves were back. (laughs) Cleaned my pool out, went to bed, woke up. Pool was green, filled with leaves, and those little Fuzzy little things. I've never sneezed more in my life than the past couple weeks. I'm in tremendous sorrow. In fact, I love you so much, I want you to share it in my sorrow. I collected some of my leaves from my backyard. And as you leave today, (laughs) no pun intended. I'm going to give you a bag in the lobby for you to to feel my pain and my heartache. Chances are, a lot of you here today, you're going through some sorrow, some pain. It's all relative, isn't it? The number that you see on the screen that is scrolling, just to help you put it in perspective today is the number of people that are dying around the world from starvation. I mean, we're talking about something a little bit deeper than just sinus issues or cold sores. Or arthritis in your elbow. This number is going to continue throughout the service as a reminder to us that the world is filled with pain and sorrow. And I get paid to make sense of sorrow. It's not easy to do. But it does bring some comfort knowing that we have a, a God who we worship and love and trust in, who one of his names is a man of sorrow. Look in your notes just for the few moments that we have together, and and let me just give you some points of, of what I believe ways that we can address sorrow and suffering and pain and heartache. How to make sense of sorrow. Number one, I think we and I need to come to understanding very quickly here that that sorrow is difficult to understand. I don't understand it. Seems like some people skip through life and have no sorrow. And other people who are saints, who give, who volunteer, who are at church every single Sunday are faced with sorrow after sorrow. After sorrow, and they never get a break. I told my four kids as they were growing up, life is not fair. And there's some of you have been through tremendous heartache and sorrow. I can't even begin to relate to. Some of you here today, you've had it relatively easy. I mean, the Bible says that the, 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 that God reigns on the on the just and the unjust. When it comes down to it, what it boils down to is suffering is really, really super hard to understand. Why some people can't catch a break. And other people, it seems like, are, 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 are as carnal as all get out and worldly, and they seemingly skip through life without any kind of sorrow. I'm comforted from the Easter story and the story of Lent and the, the message of Lent because even Jesus who was fully God and yet fully man, couldn't understand the heartache that he was going through. And he cried out that three-letter word that we all say whenever we get that letter from the IRS or we hear from our attorney. Why? I don't get it, God. I don't understand this. This doesn't feel good. This is not what I signed up for. And Jesus cried out and asked that same question that you and I, every single time we're faced with heartache and trials and tribulations and pain and sorrow, why? Why me? Why are you abandoning me? Why are you rejecting me? Why do I have to pay for the sins of the world? I didn't do anything wrong, and yet I'm paying the ultimate penalty. Jesus cried out, why are you abandoning me? I think it's okay every once in a while to ask that question. I've certainly asked it a few times in the past couple years, why? Suffering and sorrow and heartache is difficult to understand. Number two, if you're still with me, let me hear an amen. Sorrow is unavoidable. Job said, uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 7, yet a man is born to trouble as surely as the sparks fly upward. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Why? Because trouble is unavoidable. And as believers, watch this church, We cannot live life trying to avoid hardship. You can't walk through life trying to navigate, trying not to get faced with heartache and trials because trials are a part of life and it's unavoidable. I was 58 years old when I first took a sip. From the cup of suffering. 58. Like, I wasn't like trying to avoid hardship and trouble and struggles. Man, I grew up in a charmed family. We weren't perfect, didn't have it all together all the time. But as a kid, I didn't know heartache or trouble. I went through high school, life was good. Went to college, life was great. Got married to a beautiful, young, hot lady. I mean, life was good. <laughs> Pastoring, starting charities, raising kids, two boys and two girls. The girls were a little bit of heartache, but I mean, it. <laughs> Life was good. I wasn't trying to avoid trouble. I was just living my life. And then at 58 years old, for the first time in my life, I took a, a drink from that cup. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how much money you give. Doesn't matter how many times you come to church. Just doesn't matter pain heartache is indiscriminate and it can't be avoided If it can't be avoided then as believers then we need to get a grip on how to handle grief and heartache and pain and sorrow number three sorrow is candidly it's expected for believers is expected. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21. Are y'all with me this morning? Amen. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. See, as Christians, by, by the way, how many, are Christ, how many Christians do we have here? How many believers do we have here? How many Christ followers do we have here? If you are a Christ follower and a believer and a Christian, suffering is to be expected. And 1 Peter says, to this you were called. I know a lot of people that are called in the ministry. But, but, but. I don't want to be called into suffering. I'm called to drink from the cup of sorrows. I'm called to taste a little bit of what took place on this cross and what took place when that crown of thorns was placed on his head. You mean I'm called to suffer? Tammy showed me a a Facebook post yesterday of a friend of ours. When I saw the Facebook post, I was reminded how glad that I'm no longer on Facebook. It was a picture of a friend of ours who's supposedly called in the ministry and they were bragging about flying to Europe, and staying in a $1,000 a night hotel serving the Lord and ministering. See, if, if, I could, if I could offer you a calling to stay in a ritzy hotel in Rome or Barcelona or Munich, how many people wouldn't want to be a part of that. Sign me up. See, but life isn't about staying in fancy hotels serving the Lord, being called. Life is about being called to partaking in the sufferings of Christ. You want to be called Peter says you're called to to share in the sufferings of Christ. Doesn't make it easier. It does make a little bit of sense that as believers that we should drink of this cup every once in a while. Because we're following in his footsteps. And life is filled with heartache, sorrow, and pain. And we've got to follow in his footsteps and walk in victory. Can I get an amen? Number four, quickly, sorrow is necessary. Sorrow is necessary. Look what David said in Psalm 119, verse 71. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. See, watch this, church. Every once in a while, God is going to allow you to taste a little bit of the cross so that you will turn back to him. See, that's the only sense I can make of suffering. I don't know why your son died. I don't know why your daughter died. I don't know why you went through bankruptcy. I don't know why the IRS is bothering you. I don't, I don't know why, but I do know this. That heartache and affliction and sorrow and pain drive us to God. And it was good, David said, for me to be afflicted because when I'm faced with affliction and heartache and sorrow, I'm driven to you and I'm drawn to you. First time I ever saw this was when, when Tammy and I were, uh, we were youth pastors here in Orlando and we took a, 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 a job being a youth pastor in Oklahoma in 1985 and the Oklahoma oil boom had just busted. We saw people living in Oklahoma that were living in 10,000 square foot houses and in a matter of months, living in two bedroom apartments. They lost everything. In the heyday, you couldn't find people going to church. I'm telling you, I had kids in my youth group that would fly from Oklahoma City to Dallas on a monthly basis for shopping bins. Spending thousands of dollars on Ralph Lauren polo shirts and slacks and shorts. Couldn't find people in church when life was good. You know where they were? They were out on the boat. They were over at the lake. They weren't at the beach because there's not a, not, not, not a whole lot of beaches in Oklahoma. But they were, they, they, were, they were hanging out and life was good. And as soon as the oil Tanked, people started coming to church. People start, started returning to God. They started bringing their kids and their teenagers back to youth group. Why? Because heartache and hardship and affliction and sorrow force you to turn to God. Look what Paul says. Are you all with me this morning? Look what Paul says when he, as he was faced with hardship. Second Corinthians, indeed we had felt We had received the sentence of death, but this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. See, I've got an answer for you today. Watch this, church. We're making sense of suffering. Here's the sense. God doesn't want you to rely on yourself. He wants you to rely on him. And it's good for affliction to come. Because it drives you to God. Number four, sorrow can be life-changing. It can be life-changing. And by the way, over 11,776 people have died from starvation as we've been talking. Heartache can be life-changing. It's going to change you for the good or the bad. It's going to make you better or it's going to make you bitter. And we all have the choice to make when we are faced and confronted with hardship and suffering. Am I going to let this make me better or am I going to turn to being bitter? I've had a couple of friends of me just in the past couple years say, Scott, man, you've changed. And I want to look at them I want to shake them and say, Heck, yeah, I've changed. Are you flipping kidding me? Do you think I'm not going to change? When I've tasted that cup of sorrow, heck, yes, I've changed. And I'm hoping it's for the better. But I know a lot of people Sorrow overwhelms them. And they turn to drugs. They turn to pornography. They turn to adulterous affair. My prayer today for you is that when suffering and sorrow and heartache knocks on your door, you embrace it as a believer. You embrace it because you're following Christ. You embrace it because you want a taste of the cross and follow in his footsteps. But you allow that heartache and that sorrow To make you better, not bitter. And one of the ways you make yourself better in this life changing encounter with sorrow is to help other people. You're not alone. You're not the only one that has tasted this bitter cup of sorrow. Use it to help people and to help other people. It helps to make sense of what you're going through when you realize that this life-changing sorrow is making you better and making you more like Christ. How many are still with me? Let me hear an amen. amen. Bruce, if you go to the keyboard. Number, number six. Here's the good news. And this is, I know, this is spring break. and I don't want to be a buzzkill. I'm just trying to help you. And if you'll notice behind me, there's a crown of thorns. If you'll notice behind me is the, the largest cross in the history of Christianity. <laughs> Thanks to Tom Rodowski. Well, Guinness, book of world records. See, Walt Disney trained him for all these years so he could help Bell out community church. Yeah. Here's the good news. Making sense of sorrow makes a little bit of sense when you understand number number six. Sorrow is not forever. Weeping may endure for a day. It may endure for a year. It may endure for ten years. It may never go away until we see Jesus. Weeping endures for a moment, but joy comes in the morning. One day, we're going to see Jesus and all the pain, all the sorrow, all the heartache is going to be gone forever. He's going to wipe away, what looking Psalm, Revelation, he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the older of things has passed Why? Why? Because suffering doesn't last forever. And if you're here today and you're going through it, God's got really good news for you today. He's with you. He's for you. He's tasted that cup. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will always be with you as you walk through sorrow. There's people here today, you are really going through it. I'm not talking about allergies. But you just, you're grieving. You're depressed. Your heart is broken. Man, I know what it's like, and so does he. His name is a man of sorrows. For the past three and a half years, there's not a day goes by I don't get triggered with something. Not a day. But I'm reminded that I'm the, the God we sang to today is a man of sorrows. He understands. He's with us and that gives me strength and it gives me courage and it gives me boldness. I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be different. I'm not going to allow this to make me bitter. I'm going to allow it to make me better as we follow in his footsteps. But if you're here today and you're... You're really in the balcony. You're really just going through it. I've seen many of you crying as I've been talking here today. It's kind of been somber. I understand. I want to pray for you today. Because I know how you feel. And most importantly, the man of sorrows knows how you feel today. And I just want to pray for you. I don't have all the answers. I can't figure it all out. I can't wave a magic wand. But I can stand with you and pray with you. And together we can walk through this time of sorrow and heartache and live in victory. If you're here today and you're going through it, I want you to stand up and we'll pray for you. Quickly.